I started my food blog, Fat Foodies, that's PH, Fat, PH Foodies, about five years ago for two main reasons. Number one, I wanted to dive into nostalgic food commercials, the Mentos commercials from the 90s. Those wonderful things where it's the lowest stakes I've ever seen in any kind of commercial. It's like a boy trying to escape from his grandma so he hides as a mannequin or a guy doesn't want to wait 15 seconds across the street so he can catch up with his friends. So he goes through a car, someone that is stopped at the stoplight. This guy just goes right through it. It's ridiculous. That's just one of many bananas commercial campaigns that have happened over the 90s and 2000s and and before that too. So that was part of the reason for fat food is but the other part was to learn how to cook different kinds of food and be a little less hesitant and scared about getting into the kitchen and trying new things because there's so many cool things that you can make in the kitchen even if you don't entirely know what you're doing. I think cooking so much more forgiving than baking. If you mess up something in baking, suddenly your sugar is salt instead and it just tastes horrific and you can really ruin something that you spend several hours on. Cooking, a little little harder to do that. Of course, you can still easily mess things up, but in general, it's a bit more forgiving than baking. So I love that I have gotten to learn more cooking. Recently, I've explored using alcohol to help cook, maybe pour a little wine for a pork loin or something like that. But something that I haven't tried is tequila. Using tequila in my cooking And you know what? It's actually a way that you can lose some weight. At least that's what happened with my guest, Dave Martin, author of The Tequila Diet, who shares all about how this spirit has a rich history and also might have some good dietary nutritional properties as you're using it to cook. Might help you shed a few pounds. We've all probably packed on a little pandemic shenanigans going on over the past couple of years. So that will be a nice way to trim that while still having plenty of delicious food on your plate, on your table, and hopefully in your mouth and stomach. You're not just admiring it, you're actually eating it as well. Dave was also on the very first season of Top Chef, so I'm not going to let him go without asking a few questions of that. He shares some fantastic stories about his time on Top Chef. This was back in season one, so there weren't the things like the sponsorships and millions of dollars to throw and make everything a big extravagant event. They were the OGs. So there's a lot of fun behind-the-scenes stories that are going on there. Dave's sharing a few of his favorites. He's also talking about his worst gigs, why brands need to listen to the consultants that they bring in instead of just steamrolling them out of the way, and so much more. It's a neat and tidy, efficient episode, and you're going to get a lot out of it. But before you do, I have one other favor to ask of you, and it's the simplest favor you'll probably do all month. After you listen to this episode, I want you to share it with one person. Be like, hey, I think this person's a Top Chef fan, or this person likes cooking, or this person seems to eat a lot when we go out, they'll all get a great enjoyment out of it. You will too. So cuddle up with your favorite noodle dish, pizza, pasta bowl, whatever your favorite meal is. Curl up or go out for a walk. It's up to you, however you want to listen to this podcast. You're listening to Good People, Cool Things, and here is Dave Martin. To kick it off, can you give us your name and your elevator pitch and also the type of elevator that we're riding on? Hey, this is Dave Martin, author of The Tequila Diet, a exploring Mexican food and drink with the world's greatest spirit, that being tequila. So we're here to talk about all things Mexican tequila and maybe a little Top Chef. I love it. I love it. Now, how did you discover the tequila diet? Because you you do kind of touch on this on your site so people can check it out. But I think it's a very funny story. Uh, So I'd love to to hear it. Yeah, sure. I mean, actually, you know, (laughs) 
I am funny in real life, but, uh, <laughs> you know, everything's a skit for me. So I had gone to Italy and, you know, I just, I gained a bunch of weight. I was, it was like my first trip there. So I was just overwhelmed and just couldn't stop eating and drinking the pasta and the wine. And I was up like for my body size and type, like 10, 12 pounds, which was like a ton. And so when I came back, I was like, oh man, what am I going to do aside from normal working out and trying not to eat? Uh, and so I just, I had been, I'd always imbibed in tequila, but I went a little deeper and actually just switched to that as my spirit of choice and did it for like eight weeks, no wine, just tequila with, you know, going to the gym and eating. Um, and I, I got rid of all the weight. So I just started telling everyone, oh, I'm on the tequila diet. You know, it wasn't something that I saw on Instagram. It was something that I actually genuinely just started saying out of, well, trying to be funny. <laughs> I I fully empathize with the gorging in Italy uh, yeah. as well. My my favorite meal of all time was in Italy, and I don't remember the name of the place. It was just a, a very That's tiny okay. hole in the wall. So I'll tell people if they're going to Italy, I'm like, oh, my favorite meal ever was there, and they're like, what's the place? And I'm like, I don't know. Just yeah, no, it was just it was a great meal, yeah. and that's and that's okay. Just to remember the experience. Exactly, and you you mentioned that. I mean, it's it's kind of in the title that there's a Mexican background within. The tequila diet. Do you have a favorite place in Mexico? We'll see. I'm bad like that too. Um, <laughs> you know, I've I've been to so even many just di- city is fine. Too. Yeah, I've been to so many regions in Mexico, and honestly, I I do love them all. Um, you know, Mexico City I think is great. Let's say you just have the opportunity to go to one. What's kind of cool about Mexico City is it's kind of a melting pot of all the regions, so you can kind of go there and hit it all. Like if you can't go to Oaxaca and you know and, and all these different places and Puebla, you can kind of just go there. And you kind of have a little bit of the best of everything. So that would be my my recommendation is if you can only go one, go Mexico City because it's all there in one spot. I like it. I've never been to Mexico City. So that's, oh, my God. Uh, it's so great. <laughs> you know, it's really fun. And I was always like, oh, you know how you hear everyone gets shot everywhere? Well, they do here, too. So <laughs> kind of I was always a little bit leery and I was working on a Mexican concept. And I was like, I got to go there because I hadn't been. And I highly recommend it. It's safe. It's great. It's amazing. and. It is dirt cheap. I love it. I like I like that last one too. Yeah. Especially especially it, now. It seems like travel is uh, very chaotic. expensive. <laughs> yeah, totally. Within the tequila diet, the book, can you talk a little bit just about the the process of putting that together and then what readers can expect? Yeah, kind of the way it came about. So I started this get, oh, I'm on the tequila diet. And then literally shortly after that, a buddy of mine in Sun Valley, he's a chef and he's like, hey, we've got this new tequila brand that's coming to town. They want to do a charity dinner and Mexicans, your thing. Um, will you come to town? So I ended up going to Sun Valley, doing this event with the brand that I actually collabed with the book on, uh, Bastone Del Rey, and was trying their products when we were prepping in the kitchen and such. And I really loved the brand. And so I told him my whole tequila diet story. He loved it. And I kind of was like, I had conceptualized this could be a great book concept for a tequila brand to kind of showcase their spirit in not just cocktails, but also rolling it into the food and the dishes as you would a sherry or marsala in other countries. So that's kind of how it all kind of started. And I, you know, did my literal elevator pitch to the owner of the brand. And he was like, I love it. And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> so it, it was actually a very easy sell. Was there any uh, recipe in there that kind of surprised you that it worked so well? Um, 
you know, I'm always, I'm French trained. So I've always, you know, used alcohol, fortified wines and spirits in my cooking, no matter what region I'm in, you know, but keeping an indigenous, like the tequila with the Mexican, which is such a natural fit. One of the things that I think is, it kind of really makes this dish uh, stand out a little bit because we've had so many versions of it is actually the ceviche. So um, there's a little bit of silver in the ceviche. And when I was doing the book launch event in New York, uh, couple months back, people were like, what, why am I loving this ceviche so much? And I was like, I was trying to come up with the answer. And I was like, well, maybe, you know, it's the little bit of the tequila that was kind of in there. Cause you know, that's one of the ways you can, you can taste a little bit of it. It's not about getting buzzed. It's more about adding flavor to the dishes. So I think that's one of the dishes where it really kind of just with the fish and the pineapple and the fresh citrus, it just really kind of, it works, it works magically actually. Beyond this book, I mean, you you mentioned Top Chef, which we'll get into a yeah. little bit because they're you know you we know the to. fan we base, have to. yeah. yeah. We have to. We have to. yeah. <laughs> but you also do consulting, um, and is there something like consistent that brands, uh, restaurants, entrepreneurs, uh, kind of overlook when it comes to to promoting themselves? Yeah, you know, I've done a lot of different projects and a lot of different cuisines, and what I find when I come into the projects, they may, they may not have always had me as the chef. It's more of sometimes I'll go to an agency or group that I work with and I come in later and kind of what I find is the biggest disconnect is these people may have never cooked in their life. They just have an idea and they have some capital and, you know, you hire experts, right? I have an attorney, I have an accounting team, like, just like when you go to open a restaurant and you hire a chef, you kind of might want to get a little feedback and let them give you some guidance. If you're hiding, hiring them as the culinary expert, you shouldn't just steamroll and say, oh, this is what we're doing. It would be great to get some feedback from you since you're the food person. So I'd say that's one of the biggest things that I find as a problem in these projects that I, I come on board with is the owner or the person with the capital that wants to do the project doesn't really ask what I think. It's kind of like, oh, we want to do an Indian fast casual and this is what I want to do. We want to put it in this location here. It's like, okay, there's just so much more to look at when doing that, you know, especially in New York where every zip code and every corner is a different type of person that it is dining out. So there's just so many things that go into it and not just this is what I want to do and I'm doing it. So I guess, is that answering your question? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Okay. I, I, I think it's, okay. I mean, I think any like one of the the reasons I started the show is for people that that might want to start a business someday, you know, whatever avenue that's in of like of some of these things that you might not consider, because I think it it can be very easy to get an idea and go down that path and be like, this is this is the way, uh, even if you have people telling you maybe that's not the best way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely. You know, if we're definitely talking about the business side and people listening on that, you've got an idea, great, get experts to help you back it up and create the brand, create the concept, but actually listen to what they're telling you. So, you know, if they're saying, I'm not seeing this is a fit, the cost is not gonna, you know, da da da, like, don't steamroll them, like, hire the experts, well, you're hiring them. So you need to listen to them, not just pay them. Mm -hmm. Is there, um, I mean, you've been doing this for, for decades now. Is there like a certain trend or something that you've seen that you're like, oh, I, I really like this and I like the way this is headed? Yeah, I think one of the biggest trends when we talk about food and restaurant, you know, I mean, obviously we had a big pause, you know, whatever, we won't even say the C word, but, um, <laughs> 
you know, that kind of squashed a lot of stuff. And before that, you know, one of the big things that was going on, it's still going to go on and be a trend is kind of the fast casual, um, you know, and it's geared toward the millennial and other marketplaces. You know, it's great for the business person that can go in and not really have the full dining experience, you know, not necessarily having a server, you go to the counter, things like that. It's my least favorite because I actually like going out to eat, not hyper formal, but I do like a server and, and things of that nature. But uh, that's a huge market. And that's a huge spot that is only going to continue to get bigger, especially with, you know, the labor issues and things that we have where no one wants to work, which whatever on that. But, um, you know, so fast casual is a hot trend. It's going to continue to be a hot trend. And what's cool about it is it can apply to any cuisine from anywhere around the globe. So I think that's something we've seen, we're going to continue to see, and, and that's not going to go anywhere soon. I think along those same lines, and this might just be because I've been writing a bunch about technology in different fields over the past couple of weeks, but I think something else that the the C word brought upon was was kind of taking a look at technology and what uh, different restaurants had in store, because there's some restaurants where if the website, you know, if I'm trying to order like to go or something and the website is real clunky or like can't take a payment, then... I might turn elsewhere. I, I'm, in some cases, I have to. I'm like, if I can't give you money, I yeah, don't know what to that, do. Yeah. That really impacted restaurants that hadn't embraced any of that and did not have a you know to-go or at least a to-go, if not a delivery model in place. They really got squashed or had to go and pay all these high rights high rates to these delivery companies, but without even having the infrastructure in place. So yeah, definitely technology, you know, that is my former background in terms of, you know, had a recruiting agency, built a company that became America Online, you know, so I've always embraced technology and use it where it works. But especially in the food business, you've got to have presence, you've got to have a great website, you've got to have wonderful pictures, you know, they can't be taken with an old flip phone. And, you know, like, that just doesn't work today. So I think that in any business and specifically the food business in today's times, you've got to be, you've got to embrace it and you've got to pay to have the right tools in place so that you can actually generate more revenue and, you know, and promote your business through the different channels and social media outlets that are out there. Is there something within technology? Um, like I'm thinking within the past few years, it seems like QR codes are popping up everywhere. Um, is there something not similar, but like another another type of technology that is maybe not super popular yet, but you we might see it more frequently in the coming years. Yeah, definitely QR codes. It's funny because those have been around forever, and yeah. <laughs> literally they have had their day, and they're they're still everyone loves it. It's just a simple, easy way to communicate, and you're seeing it on TV and advertisements and such where you can just click through and go. So QR codes definitely that was one of the things that peaked during the C times. Um, in terms of other things, you know, definitely the full integration of everything on your phone, you know, where you don't even have to, you know, be on a computer or things like that, you know, that full integration with the whole order, they know you're there, you know, the tracking, the GPS, you know, they know the customers there, they know where they're standing, when they can come out and bring the order. So just all of that integration is, is, I mean, how much more can we know and do, but I'm sure they'll have something, you know, next year that happens. But I'd say <laughs> all of that is kind of like, the latest and greatest that's out there in, you know, tracking and order placement and pickup. Um, that's already kind of in the system. So I don't know. There's other stuff, but I'm not hip to the other stuff yet. I'm excited for 2030 when I can just think, hey, a taco might oh, be yeah. nice. And then it's, it's yeah. at my door. <laughs> it's there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's organic and vegan. <laughs>
It'll be uh, frightening the level of invasiveness um, already beyond what totally. we've already what we've already got. <laughs> so outside of writing, of consulting, of being on TV shows, you also have worked plenty of events over the years. And an, I like to to reserve this question typically for musicians, but I think since you've had so much experience cooking and and you know creating for all these different types of things, like if you go on your website, it's just like a laundry list of all these like unique experiences that you've had. So, what's your worst gig? Oh my god, my worst gig. Um, you know, <laughs> there's a there's a long list. <laughs> um, you know, not actually not really. They always kind of work out because I do my due diligence and such, but you know, I've done, you know, crazy like wine dinners in like a field with no electricity. So that in terms of challenge, you know, basically Top Chef was a platform and it was crazy but my life really is like that because as a chef or a cook that doesn't work in a traditional kitchen every day. Like there's always some challenge that I'm going to encounter when I'm traveling around the country doing auction dinners, whether I'm doing a, you know, dinner for 200 in a field with no power, you know, there's always something that you need to troubleshoot and figure out and solve. Um, on the event side, nothing really horrible, but actually on the other side of what I also do is private chef. Okay. I had a bad experience there. There was a client, wealthy oil magnet. Um, she was horrible. Um, she actually flew me out to their Malibu property and I, I was supposed to be there for a couple of weeks. I was going to toggle between there and the Hamptons for them. And, um, I did one day and I've never left a job, but I, that night I literally, I was in billionaires row in Malibu and I'll never forget. Like I left a note and I just totally took my luggage and went back right by David Geffen's house with my suitcase up to my Uber to like, get the hell out of there. So, yeah, I would say my worst experience was a private chef gig that was one day and I rolled out. And, yeah, I got my money and I got paid. That was no problem. But I just she was just a nightmare. So that's my worst story. I'd love to say her name, but <laughs> oil magnet. They have gas stations all over on the eastern seaboard. Yeah, the branding is green. There's enough info. <laughs> they have like oil trucks you can buy at Christmas. Anyway, starts with an H, whatever. She was a nightmare. Yeah. And other people have had the same experience, but you can like Google all those things and you'll figure out who has four names in the brand. Okay. Four letters. <laughs> Whatever. I don't care. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You know, truth be told, save the others. Yes. I like it. I like it. We're all in this together. <laughs> totally. Something else that I I found interesting, I do, you know, preparing for this was that you've been fast food sober. Uh, for nearly two decades now. So two-parter here. What was behind that decision? And do you remember the last fast food meal you had? Yep. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> so um, so basically, it was my 40th. Uh, we were in Vegas. We just had a bunch of friends. I still was living in California at the time. And uh, we just had a great lunch at Spago the day before or the day of the birthday and stuff. And I had just switched from, you know, tech to food about two or three years prior. And I was, I'm there in Vegas. And, you know, drinking um and having a great time and I was like you know what like now's the time and I just kind of felt as a chef and someone who's in the food industry I can't be eating fast food and I I'm like 25 years sober on McDonald's because that stuff is pure garbage but um the times that I would eat it would normally be like when I was hungover or stuff or you know and I would just go jack-of-the-box tacos or whatever I just loved all that just you know the sweet and salty the terrible stuff um and so, yeah, um, the 
the last morning and my last meal in the fast food kingdom was actually Arby's and it was because that was closest to our hotel. And I, I had like whatever it was, roast beef and cheese and some curly fries and things of that nature. But yeah, that was the last meal. And uh, really the impetus was, you know, I can't be like telling people to eat good and eat healthy and pay me to cook you, you know, pay me a ton of money to cook your food if I'm out eating fast food and Big Macs. So that was kind of the reason I kind of felt like I needed to be behind what I do. So the last meal almost wasn't even, it wasn't even like a a grand preparation. It was just like proximity. (laughs) Yeah, it was proximity. I was like, okay, let's do this. This is it. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to end it here. And I did. And I've never gone back. And I mean, I do sometimes, I do think about, I guess the one thing that is the Jack in the Box taco, you know, I mean, that was like my favorite, you know, total garbage. Uh, I, yeah, I can still taste it with the hot sauce packet, like so good. And I think. 25 or 30 years later from when I used to eat it in college, it's actually the same price. So (laughs) everyone needs to like sit back and think about that for a minute. Like how can two tacos be 99 cents? You know, it's kind of scary to think what it was and what it is. So yeah, don't eat it. And there's tons of movies on Netflix. You guys can watch about fast food and how bad our food supply is. Um, And then you won't sleep or eat anything. Yeah. I, 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 over the past few months have been doing more uh, at home workouts and I found a, a YouTuber. I'll give him a shout out. Then uh, Chris, Chris Harrier, I think his name is, but he, uh, he has a video that's like, you know, just an ab workout. And he mentioned another video where he ate nothing but fast food for 24 hours straight to lose his six pack. And he's like, and it happened. He's like, and so now I'm like working harder to get it back. And I did not watch that video, but I was just like, why would you do that to yourself? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. So yeah, fast food, don't do it. <laughs> have you tried to because I, I, I have never done this because I don't I don't think I enjoy fast food enough to to want to do this. But I've seen where people try to recreate, you know, like a healthier version or something at home. Oh, have you yeah. tried to do any of that? No, <laughs> I think there's even like a show with a bunch of other top chefs where they do that on whatever vice channel or something yeah i think there's oh fast foodies right yeah 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 Yeah, we're you know amazing chefs actually recreate you know garbage and make it good um no i haven't really done that i'm good like i'm good just making real food not like recreating stuff that you know you know what i mean I like it. I did enjoy. Uh, I think I've seen two episodes of Fast Foodies, and the first one was about Portillos. And I grew up oh, in Chicago, in Chicago. So, okay. so I was uh-huh. like, uh-huh. "Oh, this is near and dear to my heart." Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, Chicago, great food city. Oh, love it, love it. All right, it's that time. We've got to talk about your TV career. <laughs> okay. Because yes. I know we've got we've got a rabid fan base of folks. I and I I think. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to claim to know a lot of people who have been on TV, but I, I feel like for everyone I do know who has been, their sort of origin story is kind of uh, almost accidental. Like, mm-hmm. very few people are like, you know, oh, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. They just kind of kind of stumbled into it. What was your origin story like to, to get on the Top Chef? Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, it's... I am a reality junkie. That is actually my favorite genre. I don't watch a lot of TV. I I just love garbage, a lot of Bravo. So <laughs> I had, I'd been watching Project Runway and shows of that nature. And so again, being a recruiter, I was always looking for a better job for myself. I was running a restaurant up in Manhattan Beach, California. And um, 
I was always looking for something better, you know, always. That's what you need to do at all times, no matter how great your job is. And well, it wasn't that great, but um, <laughs> there it was. Uh, Craigslist. Uh, yeah, actually, Craigslist, old school. It's not just for hookups. Um, yeah, I totally, uh, it was like, oh, by the producers of Project Runway. Because I was season one OG, like for some of you that are, you know, like 20 years old, like, you know, yeah. Um, season one, it's a long time ago. I am old. Um but uh, yeah, so it was Craigslist was how I found out about it. And, you know, just a crazy process and interviews and then coming to the restaurant. And it was very real. We met a shrink. Um, you know, it was kind of a crazy process. And I, I actually didn't think because they assured me they I'd never done TV and they assured me we're going to call you on this day and confirm it. And they didn't. So I totally left town and turned my phone off. And um, three days later, I turned it back on and there, there were like 20 messages. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I was able to scramble and, and, and get back onto the show. But um, yeah, it was kind of a very Craigslist. Craig's, I made a lot of money on Craigslist. So it's been a great platform for me. I still use it to this day to, you know, there are still people that use it as um, a tool. So yeah, Craigslist, believe it or not. That's that's why I uh, got a karaoke hosting job through Craigslist. So I I, I I can vouch for that. Um, yeah, yeah. There's and actually there's a great consulting job that I they were on other platforms, but they still hosted old school. I'm still talking to them in L.A. And like that was how I found out about them. And there may be like big money coming from that. So, yeah, don't downplay Craigslist. It's not just LinkedIn anymore. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Is there something, because obviously, I mean, any TV show, but especially reality show, they're shooting way more footage than they're actually going to end up using. Was there something that didn't make it to air, like a behind the scenes thing that you thought was was pretty interesting? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's better than interesting. So yeah, obviously, there's there's cameras going pretty much the whole time, aside from when you're sleeping. And one of the guys on our show actually had night terrors. And I didn't know what those were. I was like, whatever. I mean, I was late 30s or whatever, 40, whatever. And I'd never heard of that. And he was actually one of my roommates. And so in the middle of the night, he woke up. He was one of the crazy ones. Um, he got kicked off first. You can do the homework. But um, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, so me and the other guy, Stephen, the Nightmare Sommelier guy, like, we were awakened in the middle of the night, like the first night with him screaming and da da da. They had to bring in the paramedics and shit. So it was like. Yeah. So night tears. Yeah. Good thing he left after the first night because uh, that was a rough one. I was like, what is up? Yeah. So that was definitely something they didn't show. And sorry, I hope you don't have night tears anymore. But um, it was that was definitely something that was the like most whatever, you know, and they didn't show us like we did drink a lot of wine. I mean, and they didn't get the memo because it was first season for them. So some of the people were like, and we, I would, we would yell downstairs, wine angels, wine angels, go get Pinot Noir, you know, because it was like, we needed something to release. So once they started getting the wine, they were like, oh, this makes for better TV. So like, let's just say the wine angel after about day two or three was like very active. There was always new wines and booze when we came home. And it's like, I think it worked out to be a better program for it. <laughs> Was the wine angel just one person or was it a whole team of like PAs? Oh, I just, I assumed it was a whole team because I would always scream downstairs and wine angels, please, we need more Pinot and European Sauvignon Blanc. And like the next day it would appear. It was pretty funny, but that did help. Um, you know, one of the things that didn't show up was, <clears throat> again, I am kind of funny in real life was, and I was out of the cast, one of the ones that maybe watched the most of garbage reality. And 
I was like, you guys, wait, season 10, sponsored by Glad. Like, I was calling it all out, how it has actually played out, like, all the sponsorship and all the crazy stuff. I'm like, they'll be in Porsches and da-da-da, and it'll be super high-end. And, you know, meanwhile, you know, we couldn't even get wine. So, um, and we were riding in, like, Toyotas or something. But it's it's very funny. Um, we joked about all the sponsorship and all the stuff that, you know, I knew if the show took off, that would happen. And so it was kind of funny. That was one of the things that wasn't shown that we really def- we did predict the future. And uh, we, our cast was the reason they even have the show now. So, you know, it has to be good in season one. So even though it's a long time ago, we were funny <laughs> and talented. I think you're still funny today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now, you've mentioned the garbage reality TV that you watch. Is there a show that's on now that you're like, hey, more people need to be watching this garbage? <laughs> Oh God. I did. I did watch the, I actually liked it better than housewives. It was like the, the old ones that got kicked off or whatever. Um, that was pretty good. Whatever that's called the housewives that weren't housewives. That was pretty, um, what else am I watching? I do a lot of below deck. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's very similar to my life. I mean, I am below deck sometimes on one of my clients boats, so it's not far from the truth, but, um, there are no hookups, but, um, I am below deck. Uh, below deck. What else is really good that I love? Um, you know, of course I did Jersey Shore and I've even watched some of their current, it's terrible, but I, you know, I've kind of grown up with them in, in reality TV and now they're like totally wealthy. It's a different path than what happened for me. No, I mean, I'm good. I'm fine. But, um, you know, yeah, I'm trying to think, but it's, it's normally Bravo's my default. Like that's just, you know, a byproduct and always something that's been in my, um, cash would we ever see a dave martin produced show oh god no i wish <laughs> i mean you know yeah i went and did you know post i did food network and i you know did chopped and cutthroat kitchen a couple shows on there i mean i just feel like you know how they talk about the old days like happy days when fonzie jumped the shark you know i mean i think like chopped has jumped the shark i mean it's time i mean they've had like twenty thousand episodes not that it's a bad show and you know hooray everybody whatever but it's like it might be time like there's just so much, there's such a saturation of food and I'm part of why we got to that. You know, I, I did it and I've done it, but I just kind of think we don't need 20,000 cooking shows. You know, it just gets to be too much. And it's all the same people. It's like Food Network. Get, I mean, come on. And a lot of those people are talented, but let's move on. Like, let's get some new people and let's get rid of some of the people that, yeah, <laughs> I'm not fan. I'm not fans of. It's a lot of them. I don't really like chefs. They're normally douchebags. <laughs> Well, that that segues nicely into a question I always like to ask, which is a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And it's about all of this food TV uh, and related programs and things like that. Have they made being a chef look too glamorous? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's, you know, again, you're seeing glimpses and people are winning money and all that kind of stuff. And it is obviously a lot more produced than when I was in the game. Um, And yeah, it's, this is not what it is. I mean, I've parlayed it into a successful career of consulting and events and all the stuff that I do and private chefing, but that's because I hustle. I mean, I am still hustling. Um, you know, I just spent the summer back East working 12, 15, 17 hour days, six to seven days in a row. So like, if that sounds glamorous to you, like go for it. But like, that is the reality, you know, whether that's in a private chef role or if you're in a restaurant role, that's really what the day is like. It is not, you know, sipping champagne and having people cut your carrots. Like that is, 
very, very far from the truth. And it's not fun and everyone's nice and all that shit either. So I think, you know, great. I want more people to, you know, go to culinary school and pursue it if it's what you want to do. But you need to be a hustler and a hard worker if you think you're going to get to even the level where I am. And there's so many stratas of other people that are so much, you know, up the charts and over me with great. I don't care. Like, but I'm still working and I'm still hustling and I am not 25 or 35 or 45 or 55. I'm older than that, but um, <laughs> that's scary. But, you know, your age is your age is a number, but no, it, it's not glamorous. And so that's the biggest thing, you know, watch the shows, enjoy the shows. But if you're going to pursue a career in culinary, spend some time working in a restaurant in the different roles, get a clue, see what's going on. And don't just be like, yeah, I'm going to be on Top Chef and it's going to, you know, it's, it's a lot more than that. So, yeah. There's my rant. Yeah, I feel like every person I know that works in the restaurant industry in some capacity is like, yeah, that's not accurate at all. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, I pick up trash. I wash dishes. You know, like, it's not even at the level that I'm at. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm taken care of and all of that's good. But I earn my money. I like it. All right, Dave, you're almost off the hook here. But we always like to wrap up with a top three. And for you, your top three foods or dishes? Oh, gosh. I mean, I just, I already had some this morning. I'm on <laughs> Pacific Coast time, but I had pizza for breakfast. Um, it happened. It's, I it's did that amazing. yesterday. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I love cold pizza, too. Like, I love food cold. I'm a chef, so we're used to eating things cold. But definitely, um, pizza is, there's just so many different versions. Um, and I guess I will go to the taco because I do love a great taco and not just because of my cookbook being Mexican driven, but I, I do love a great taco. Um, and, uh, you know, for me, it's like pizza, taco, and then maybe I, it might still be more Mexican, like, or I, I'm very Mexican and Italian right now, Oh, but I do love Asian. Um, so I do love a great noodle dish. So that could, whether it's an Italian pasta or it's a killer, like spicy Asian ramen, um, definitely noodles and it can be from any region in the world so pizza taco noodles global boom do you also do you have a go-to pizza topping combination or is it any and everything i'm very simple i don't like a lot on my pizza so i like a really good either the pepperoni cup or a spicy sopra set and hot honey that's it like that's it like that's it yeah good cheese real cheese (laughs) Well, I'm glad uh, we're recording this right before lunch because maybe I'll maybe I'll have some pizza right after. It'll be great. Perfect. <laughs> well, Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to chat. This was a blast. And if people want to learn more about you, want to order the tequila diet, where can they find you? My site, ChefDaveMartin.com, has everything. And then also we have MyTequilaDiet.com, which has all the links to buy the book. Obviously, it's on Amazon and all those places. You can get a signed copy from me on the other sites. Um, but yeah, check it out. It's a great holiday gift. Um, you could even get the digital copy for less than 10 bucks. And it's a lot of great recipes and a lot uh, more about tequila. Fantastic. Highly recommend everyone check it out. Dave, thank you again for taking the time to chat. This was great. Thank you. And of course, we have to end with a corny joke. As we always do, how does Harry Potter order tequila shots? I have no clue. He goes, hey, bartender, Patronus. Ah. Get after it today, people. <laughs> Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you're a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. If you're hearing this song on your phone, in your car, or in aisle seven of the grocery store, you're not really hearing it. You're not really hearing the hypnotic disco synth as clearly as you could. You're not really feeling the bass line in your chest. And you're certainly not hearing a century of sound innovation. The only way to hear this song the way the artist intended is to hear it on a Denon home speaker. A speaker built with as much craft, dedication, and precision as the music it plays. Which means you won't just hear the song, you'll feel it. Denon home wireless speakers, crafted by the sound obsessed for the sound obsessed. <laughs> 